This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Ellen Raftree didn't set out to be a marketer. In fact, her strongest desire was to pursue a career in design and fashion. But a conversation with a professor in college changed everything. Today, Ellen serves as the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer for FIS. Ellen joined Marketing Trends to discuss a range of topics, including growth marketing, understanding your clients, and why the language you use is key. Enjoy this discussion. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Ellen, what's going on? Hey, Ian, it's great to be talking to you. It's really an interesting time to be a leader of teams and uh, to be a marketer these days. Yeah, it really is. It's, uh, it is uh, one of the most interesting times to be a marketer for sure. And, uh, more important than ever. Um, and I'm super excited to talk to you today. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, being a growth CMO, what, what that means. Uh, we're going to talk your background, everything that's going on at FIS. So let's get into it. How'd you get started in marketing in the first place? Um, you know, I knew when I went to college that um, I what I really wanted to become was a fashion designer or I wanted to be in New York in advertising. My love, um, you know, really started you know, on the design side of things. But as luck would have it, my first quarter in college, uh, I got mono and I had to drop out of, of school for the for the quarter. And as I was getting ready to re-enroll, I spent some time with a professor. And um, to talk about what, you know, the opportunities, what the career opportunities were in the space. And he said to me, you know, what, what do you love? And then what are your goals? And, and my answer was, I love design. I love creative. I want to do something that's creative. I want to be in the center of creative. But my goals are, I want a sustained career. Uh, you know, I want to make some money and I want a career that has some longevity. And so he said, why don't you think about marketing? Uh, he said, you know, probably... Being from Ohio and trying to get to New York to be a fashion designer is a great goal, but that might be tough. Um, but if you think about marketing, which is a little bit more ubiquitous across, across a lot of different dimensions, you can marry you know, your, your love with your goals. And so that's what I did. I, I graduated from school with a business degree, but I also kind of overachieved with an undergrad in design, with a minor in design. So that's really what got me started in marketing. I'd imagine that degree in design has got to be super helpful um, with the current state of digital marketing and how important design is. Uh, I mean, I guess it's always been important, but specifically today with with the volume of, of work that we have to do as marketers, having an eye for design seems like it would be a pretty important skill. It allows you to really marry the, the art and the science of, of marketing together. And the digital is exactly sits in the center of that. So you hit that head on. Um, the design aspect of it is is really critical, um, you know, in terms of look and feel and the storytelling that you can do in digital today. Um, so super, um, you know, super exciting time to be in marketing. So flash forward to today, what does it mean to be the chief marketing and communications officer at FIS? 
it's interesting that the scope and, and uh, scope of my role has, has really grown over the eight years. In fact, today's my eight year anniversary with FIS, by the way. And um, it's really, you know, grown into just a terrific opportunity to sit at the center of the business. Um, I have the pleasure of leading a team of experts that, you know, are responsible for building the reputation, for deepening the relationships and for supporting the revenue acceleration um, to advance the way the world pays banks and invests. And it's just been, you know, a tremendous opportunity to lead a team that um, across those dimensions. The scope of marketing um, really is across the full company, partnering and bringing the art and, sci art and science of marketing to our business segments, to our innovation um, organization, to our product and sales organization, and even to our people office, to our, our people brand, um, because the recruiting and the talent um, aspect of, of what we do is, is so important. The way I'm organized is really across two dimensions. One is this, what we call segment marketing, which is everything from you know, the strategy to the commercialization of, of product and, and the go-to-market aspects of that. And then the second piece of my organization is all of my shared services or centers of excellence, which really are around things like um, strategy and business insights, which also includes voice of the customer, communications, events, content marketing and storytelling, the digital and brand marketing, which also includes user experience, so the UI, UX piece of it. Uh, where we're um, helping to influence software engineering and the design experience um, and campaign marketing, which are, you know, all a part of the um, shared services. When I started here eight years ago, marketing was really more of a support step and fetch kind of function. Um, we really only had communications and, and events. And so we've grown it, as you can tell, from, from that to a much broader full service marketing organization, but you know, really moving from step and fetch to strategic partner, uh, really bringing the art and science to the business. And, and also what I mean by that is you know, bringing new things like the insights and data driven approach, bringing unique skill sets like UI and UX into marketing, bringing data scientists and people that have experience with artificial intelligence as a part of the marketing skill set, um, moving to virtual sales and virtual marketing, uh, which cl clearly has been super important in you know the, the time of COVID to be able to pivot into that very, very quickly. So um, really have had an, a nice opportunity to really grow the expertise and the role of marketing in the organization. And so when you hear the term growth CMO, what, what does that mean to you? Well, I, you know, uh, really pride myself on, first of all, we're, I'm part of the growth organization. So um, it, it comes with the title and we really run marketing as a business. So what do I mean by that? You know, we're very financially and data driven. We really speak to people in business jargon um, and not marketing jargon because they don't really understand it. Marketing jargon is for marketers, but when you're speaking to executives and speaking across the business, you have to speak in business terms. So we work really hard to put everything into business language. Um, we're very metric-based in our goals. I um, have a dashboard that is very metrics 
um, driven. We um, the dashboards uh, reviewed every every month, and then I review it every quarter with our CEO. We measure things like our financial plan, our people plan. Um, we have eight um, uh, dimensions of our of our dashboard that also include driving a culture change transformation, transforming the brand and reputation, advancing the company strategy and position, accelerating revenue and growth trajectory, pivoting marketing to a future state. Some of those things are all, you know, have metrics underneath that we, we look at on a, on a monthly and a quarterly basis. Um, and every investment that we make, so every dollar that we put into marketing has to translate into revenue. We're a B2B company. And many of our solutions are white labeled, meaning we build the technology and the software, we sell it to a financial institution or a merchant. They take that solution or software and they reskin it with their brand. Um, so it's important that, you know, in order for us to build our reputation and to build it across such a large um, audience base, that the investments that we make, that they have to translate to revenue in some way. And so, as an example, um, a piece of signature research that we might do, um, such as our readiness report or our PACE survey, has to translate into an integrated go-to-market campaign. Um, that the dimensions of that would be, you know, public relations, analyst relations, social media. It would include thought leadership, lots of content aspects that would be marketed across various channels, but ultimately all that content that is created translates into pipeline development. So it translates into demand gen campaigns in some form or fashion. So that's really kind of the basis of how we treat that. We review our metrics um, with the broader marketing team on a quarterly basis. We have awards, which also recognize people for their contribution to uh, the company's growth um, and, and revenue and pipeline contributions, speed and acceleration through the pipeline. We cascade our goal, goals so that, you know, everyone understands, you know, their role and the criteria against their role in terms of um, their contribution to growth. Um, and we've actually developed new tools um, that are, are propri proprietary within FIS that allow us to link what we're doing in marketing to product and also to sales, which allow us to look at the pipeline in terms of the plan, the coverage ratio, where we are against the coverage ratio, and then how does that translate into our marketing targets and our um, our quality, you know, our uh, qualification or um, through the pipeline process, and then our own cover ratio. And what that allows us to do is to pivot quickly. It gives me a heat map to show me where I'm either uh, overdriving or underperforming in terms of a campaign. So I can quickly pivot my investment um, to areas where we need to drive more you know, opportunity into the pipeline. So we've really built it down to a science and have made certain that across our marketing organization, there's a lot of linkage um, you know, and cascading goals. And so who, who are the types of companies that, that you're working with, that you're uh, selling these white label solutions and things like that? Like, what does the buying uh, profile look like for these folks? We have a pretty extensive audience base that we're working with. So, you know, we, we market to 
across you know the payments landscape, the banking landscape, and the and the investment landscape. What that means is we have three major segments um, of of audiences that we're targeting. So financial institutions or banks, um, and that's you know everything from borrowing, save, pay, and invest. Uh, to our capital market audience, which is the buy side and sell side of the institutional financial institutions, which is money movement uh, and money management. And then we also have our whole merchant audience, which is everything about commerce and the movement of money. And that's across a range of industries like retail, transportation, and airlines, gaming, grocery stores, et cetera. And that's all around powering global commerce. So we sit at the heart of um, commerce and the financial world. And really our, our purpose is to help businesses and communities thrive by advancing commerce and the financial world. So everything we do is really around money movement, money management, um, but clearly across that broad range of audience segments, uh, super important for us to be very targeted, um, very segment and persona focused. Um, and, um, you know, really understanding the voice of the customer in that space. And do you arrange your teams? Um, is it aligned? Like how aligned are you with, with sales on your kind of go to market strategy? Are you, you know, are you tied in really close with, uh, you know, how you sell or is there a little bit of, uh, you know, further distance there? Uh, we are absolutely um, locked in lockstep with sales uh, and also with product. So um, because of the commercialization aspect of, you know, knowing from a product perspective, you know, where the market is moving, um, where we're developing products, what's in the, the pipeline and the journey to product, and then making certain from a marketing perspective, we have a voice into that and a seat at the table we're readying that solution for go-to-market, um, for sales readiness, and for market entry. Um, and then we do very specific planning with sales. Um, we understand uh, what their their plan goals are every year. Uh, those are broken down into quarters and against um, actually our solution base. And we do a lot of campaign planning, organizing and execution with sales so that we know where each other are in the marketplace and we're supporting each other from a goal perspective. And then how do you, how do you share, you know, success metrics? Like what, what types of metrics are, are you measured on and are important to you? We are looking at, um, from a sales perspective, we, we follow their plan. We look at on a very regular basis um, how things are flowing through the pipeline from a closed one perspective. Um, and our role is um, volume into the top of the pipeline. Um, and then uh, we are their inside business development organization. So nurturing those leads through the pipeline, trying to speed, um, you know, to qualified lead. Um, and then following that through to closed uh, one. And our metrics actually, you know, obviously measure that all the way through down to a campaign level so that we can see which campaigns which tactics actually influence that lead along the way. Generally, it's more than one, it's multiple. Um, we track that you know, through events, through um, you know, online campaigns, thought leadership that 
um, education, things that, you know, we're outreaching to our clients on and nurturing them through the process. So you have, you know, a, a, a very diverse B2B client base, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of different personas, as you mentioned, um, and you do a lot of events. So I'm curious, um, how do you structure doing events for such a broad, you know, base of people? Uh, like, is there, is there something that you all are looking at, uh, you know, with different geographies and different, uh, different teams and ways to integrate sales? Like, how do you, how do you, uh, conceptualize your event strategy? Sure. A great question. Um, we, we actually look at it in multiple ways. Um, we look at it uh, across our segments. So across our capital market segment versus our financial, you know, bank um, segment versus our merchant segment. And we have signature event properties that we run. So proprietary to us that we run across those segments, but we also try to build um, those, you know, larger events where it's a big tent, if you will. And underneath that tent, we can bring multiple audiences in. So as an example, our in focus event um, is targeted at financial institutions. Those could be credit unions, community banks, mid-range banks, and enterprise banks, all with different needs. It could also include corporations because many of our payment solutions and our risk solutions, fraud solutions, as an example, would be interesting to corporations um, who are looking for you know, uh, you know, money movement and, and fraud and protection and would also have an interest across some of our merchant audiences, some of those industries who are also looking for money movement solutions. And so kind of build it once, build it broad enough where you can run events within an event um, so that you're really personalizing the experience for those audiences, those personas, where they are in their buying journey. But you also have an opportunity to bring them into the full spectrum of the company through our expo hall or through our general sessions where we talk about the strategy of the company, the roadmap, the portfolio roadmap. Um, so they get a better understanding of the full breadth of the company, which helps to position us in the minds of our buyers in a broader way. So as you may uh, know, last year we acquired WorldPay, which really broadened and deepened our experience in the merchant space. The merchants don't necessarily know FIS for our full footprint. And so these kinds of events and stylizing them in these ways allows us to really um, create that broader position in their minds and gives us an opportunity to you know, help us explore with them more opportunities in terms of how we can support their needs. But it also allows us to go deep into the areas where they have needs uh, based on these personalized tracks that we create for them. Obviously, data critical to any CMO, uh, especially the growth CMO. Um, how do you make sense of all the data? Oh, that's been the hardest part of um, being a CMO for many, many years. The, the role and the um, lens has changed over the years. And clearly, you know, growth and growth through data is um, at the forefront, you know, of, of you know, CMOs who are successful today. Um, you really need a team around you who is very experienced um, in data insights, um, who loves to get their hands into the data and, um, you know, to bring creative um, opportunities back on how to use the data. 
Um, and so my data insights group um, is a new group that we created several years ago, ago to help me with that so that I'm surrounding myself with new talent, um, new ideas, new capabilities. It brings much more diversity into our organization and has opened up um, many new channels and opportunities for us. Again, remember, I said we, we run marketing like a business and we want to speak in business language. It allows us not only to modernize our marketing in market to our clients and to our key constituents, but it also allows us to bring different insights back to the business to help them be more efficient. So many of these proprietary tools that we've created um, have allowed us to, to do that, to you know, improve the linkage between marketing and sales, improve the linkage between marketing and product. Um, some examples of that you know, are, you know, we've built a whole data pool that allows us to bring a massive footprint uh, for each client. So a massive client profile footprint forward that includes everything from, you know, financial status to solutions and products that they've purchased. Um, it allows us to bring in the voice of the customer. So any surveys that we've done for those clients and their responses, I have a 360 view of the voice of the customer we also look at white space. So we built a white space tool that is also part of this, this data pool uh, that for any one client, I can go in and look at what solutions have they purchased? How much revenue do we have with them? Um, what solutions have they not purchased based on their buying behavior? Where is some white space opportunity of solutions we could recommend to them? Um, we've built this into a mobile tool that allows you know um, on the go, um, information for our executives and for our sales organization. Um, and it is also, tr that translates into a rich pool of information for us for campaigns. So as I mentioned before, we, we have this tool that we have leveraged with sales that allows us to pivot our campaigns um, on very quick notice to where we need to, um, where we have deficiencies in the pipeline. And because of this rich data pool and having an understanding of white space combined with pipeline, uh, it gives us a great opportunity to really know where we need to um, expand or contract on our campaign. So that's one example of how we're using data today. Another example is um, we've brought artificial intelligence into our campaigns, um, which allows us to do hyper-targeting, which, you know, as I mentioned, we have a very large client base. We have so many different personas that we're marketing to. The hyper-targeting is super important, and it allows us to do things like um, understanding where that um, uh, persona is on their journey um, so that we can personalize and really make those offers much more relevant at a point in time. Um, and also allows us to nurture them through the um, sales cycle in a much more efficient and create speed and acceleration in that pipeline. So it's really allowing us to improve performance. Yeah. And is there any things that within that, that you're starting to look at, like, you know, signals within the customer journey, you know, obviously customer experience um, becoming more important than ever. Uh, and, you know, obviously, you know, data feeding that is, is critical. Absolutely. That's such a great um, perspective and, and question. Um, through this data pool, it's allowing us to take data from multiple systems 
and bring it together in a way where we can look at it by client or we can look at it across segments, we can look at it across different um, personas. And so it's giving us a very, very rich pool of information across the customer experience. Tying it together with our um, client portal, which is the activity uh, where our, our clients actively go to get updates on products where they actually uh, actively go um, to um, look at alerts or um, to get updates on system, um, you know, system updates and, and some of those kinds of things. So it's actually allowing us to look at a, a fuller um, customer experience journey, if you will, from pre-sales to sales to implementation of product to retention and relationship development, to extended sales. And then underneath each of those categories, there's a depth of data uh, that goes along with each. And the data pool is allowing us to take data from all those different places and bring it together underneath the identity of that client so that we can really create what we kind of call it our pizza tracker. We can kind of look at that experience across that journey and understand where we are and where we need, you know, pivots or where we need to lean in or, you know, um, you know, make service changes. Yeah. It seems like with so many different personas and so many different folks that you're talking to, um, you know, it seems like there could be that possibility for, you know, the, the hyper-targeted campaigns versus the brand campaigns. How do you look at you know, doing brand marketing versus, you know, the product, more product marketing um, or persona based marketing? So um, we try to tie brand into everything that we do so we don't lose that. I mean, that's an obvious answer from a CMO, but we also have opportunities for that brand moment and those brand opportunities. Again, you know, because, you know, we are B2B and we are very growth oriented. We want to make certain every dollar that we invest translates into growth or revenue in some way. So brand for brand sake is hard for us in the B2B space where um, many of our solutions are white labeled. So um, what that really oftentimes means for us is a heavier lean into um, broadcast marketing from a content perspective. So thought leadership, um, research, getting our data um, out there and having, being able to tell our story and conversations, bringing our experience forward um, through thought leadership, through public relations, through social media. Most of our, uh, any of the brand work that we would do would be through the online channels versus you're not going to see us on TV. That's not really our audience. We do a lot of account-based marketing and deal-based marketing we're very specific to that one account where maybe you're, you're you know, building for one, but it's serving purpose for multiple accounts, um, but very personalized messages um, for those accounts, which allow us to bring the full value proposition of the company forward, but then also hone in specifically on um, meeting the needs of, of that client where they are today. So those are some of the ways where we bring the brand story and the brand message in from a, you know, a broadcast and a narrowcast perspective, um, you know, beyond just the, you know, kind of uh, general run of the mill, if you will, demand generation, you know, either very highly, highly um, targeted through account and deal based marketing 
or leaning in from a content storytelling thought leadership through, um, through media, social media, and some of those kinds of channels. Do you have any favorite campaigns uh, that you've worked on over the years? I do. The funnest one we just implemented a year ago, and that was our rebranding uh, after purchasing uh, WorldPay. And the good news is WorldPay um, had just gone through an acquisition themselves, so they had just gone through a rebranding of their company. So they brought a lot of assets to the table. We had approximately 40 days to rebrand and be in market with a new brand. And um, that was just an incredible experience because you're meeting, you know, a new team. It's exciting and also, you know, um, a little unnerving because you don't know what you're getting and you don't know what kind of talent you have. You're also on a very tight time frame and you're putting a lot of money behind it. You want it to be good. You want it to be profound. And it also it has to speak to the employees. They have to feel passionate about it. It has to hit a chord with them because they're your brand ambassadors. They're the, they're the face of the company. And so there was a lot writing on it for us. Um, the team t- came together and, um, and worked very collaboratively in a very short time frame. So 40 days to market, which meant really we had to be ready in about 30 days. So we had time to finalize assets, um, turn them actually into content presentations, big banners for rollout. We did a big takeover in Times Square and um, in London. Um, uh, So, you know, very rapid speed um, to market, included new brand positioning, new messaging across the global footprint. It was a new website uh, and messaging on the website. And then a full uh, on go-to-market campaign. Um, And it was really a strategy that unified the company It had extensions to it that uh, led to new values for the company. And then um, an effort that we have underway right now, which is really looking at the client experience and the employee experience and making certain that our brand promise really links to the experience that we're creating for our clients and employees today. And then making adjustments where that's not fulfilling that promise today so that we can improve on that experience. It's just been a tremendously fun um, opportunity and, um, you know, really across my career, like I said, been here with FIS now for eight years. In those eight years, um, we're about 20,000 more employees, we're 7 billion in additional uh, revenue since I joined. Um, The company has grown from 4 billion to 12 and a half billion. Um, organically and inorganically, our stock has grown over 241%. Our market cap's grown from 7.2 billion to 86 plus billion, uh, give or take the, the day in the market. So it's been incredibly fun to watch what um, you know the company's been able to do and the role that marketing's been able to play. Obviously, we can't take credit for all of that, but marketing is clearly you know part of the strategy and has, and has played a big role. Um, so that brand strategy had tremendous um, value and outcome in a short period of time. Um, just on that strategy alone, um, we had a 26 percentage um, increase year over year in pipeline. We had a 48 percent increase in close one business um, for a close rate of 35 percent, which is um, pretty significant. The goal is 12 percent. Um, and we reached 35 um, 
our social media followers, followers were up pretty significantly um, with a 70% increase in impressions and um, 3 billion in marketing initiated and influenced revenue from our clients. So the brand campaign that we launched in August saw those kinds of results up through the end of the year. Obviously, tremendous partnership with, with our sales organization and our, our lines of businesses, with our integration teams, um, driving you know, our, our revenue synergy, um, et cetera. But really um, exciting for our team to see the, the role that we played in that, how the brand um, you know, helped, the consistent storytelling, um, the strong storytelling, the very important differentiating messages that we were able to bring to market, and then the results that that had in terms of um, uh, interest and demand that it drove across our client base. What about some of your uh, your best uh, learning experiences or, or campaigns that didn't go so well? I guess I would have to say, um, you know, those would be ones where maybe we were a little bit ahead of our skis, where, um, you know, marketing was a little bit ahead of where development was. Um, for good reason, wanted to be out, you know, in front of the market, wanted to freeze the market with, you know, our journey and our roadmap, our, our product roadmap. Um, but the delivery behind it didn't, uh, didn't meet the timeframes expected. So it left us a little exposed. Um, and, I, you know, I can think of, you know, a campaign uh, where we, you know, we've been exposed from that perspective where, you know, you, you certainly never want to be in that position. It's hard, you know, because you've overpromised and underdelivered with clients. It happens to everybody, um, but it's it's something that you have to course correct on pretty quickly. Yeah, I think you know. I think we're all we're all definitely, you know, guilty of that. I mean, obviously, sales doing the same thing of of selling before you know the products. There is there anything that that you do kind of once you get ahead of your skis to uh, you know to reset expectations or to go back to you know your customers and prospects and kind of say like, hey, you know, we. We might have uh, oversold this a little bit. Transparency is the best thing. Just um, you have to, you know, fall on your sword. Uh, you have to be very honest. Um, you've got to say, you know, and, and give them the roadmap. Not excuses, but clear, you know, here's what's happening. Um, here's where we're heading. Here's why it's delayed. Um, we think it's for good reason. In the end, it will result in X for you. Um, let's go on this journey together. Um, transparency and honesty is absolute number one. You've just got to get right in front of it very, very quickly and course correct with the client. You have a ton of content on the site and I'm curious, like, how do you view content, content marketing and the types of things that, that you're creating um, either in-house or, or out-of-house? Uh, we do have a lot of content. We've got, um, we're just a mega powerhouse, superhouse, if you will, of, um, you know, a solution superstore for financial technology and, and commerce technology. So with that um, comes lots of content um, and subject matter expertise to be able to share. Um, I think it's all built around a, um, a framework that allows us to uh, be able to share with clients, you know, a, a story around how we can, you know, help them, you know, um, run, connect, and grow, run their operations, connect um, uh, with their uh, with their end users, with their own customers, 
and how we can help them accelerate their business through through growth and optimization. Um, so I would say that's kind of the, the common um, thread, if you will, across the content in our site. And from a you know messaging perspective, that content is all developed through our our content marketing group, which allows us to keep some consistency and storytelling and actually connecting dots between stories so that we've got continuity and message. It's tying back to differentiators um, and that we're always serving up assets that provide additional clarity, things like two minute explainers or linkages to demos where they can, you know, uh, get more hands-on experience with the solution etc. So it's a, a combination of, of assets and a, you know, a framework for storytelling. We actually are putting our, our uh, marketing organization through storytelling training. It's something new that I've invested in with the team because storytelling and having a simplified message is really key. And because we're technology and it's very easy to go quickly into the technology mumbo jumbo if you will the you know the um, nuts and bolts of it versus you know staying high enough where you're um, simplifying the story but not too high where it um, it doesn't feel meaningful there's a real art to being able to have the right balance and so um, in order for us to have a common framework for how we tell stories um, it's important that we we have a consistent language on how we do that. So I'm putting the team through storytelling training. Any tips so far? They're early in the process. Um, I think they're really enjoying it. It's giving them a new perspective on how to approach telling the story. Um, it's, like I said, very easy for them to move quickly um, into you know product feature function. And this is really forcing them to think with the client lens first and the client need first. And it's a pretty simple formula of, you know, clients are interested because they have a need and how can you help them? And you've got to get to that story very fast. And so those value propositions have to be real clean um, and very simple, four, four bullet points. Um, and, and then you can always go deeper, but it's, you know, you're taking steps with them to be able to get them interested quickly and then you can always go deeper. So the, the framework that they're using for that has been very helpful in teaching them a new way to think about it. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think, you know, it's so tough when you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, how to tell these stories in a short amount of time. Um, do you often, you know, think about telling, you know, longer term stories and what that would look like? I mean, it seems like based off of your customers that you have such, you know, a, a depth of relationship and, you know, the importance of your product that it seems like, you know, it seems like you could tell, uh, you know, a longer story, but, you know, people might not listen to it. So trying to figure out how to, how to get all of those insights packed into, into one story. Yeah, it's, there's a real art to it. And like I said, you know, the, once you've got it out there, modernization is a really important story for us, particularly in our, our financial institution bank market. And um, they're sitting on old legacy systems. They've got to modernize quickly. They've got to be able to adapt to new technology that's coming out so they stay fresh and, um, you know, continue to be able to grow their business. Um, so, you know, the storytelling starts and you continue to add chapters to it because there's new things that we're adding 
you know, each quarter, each year um, to, you know, continue to bring new things to our clients, not just solutions, but services and new capabilities, linkage to, um, you know, um, new opportunities, bringing WorldPay into our organization, opened up a whole huge portfolio of tools and assets that could be sold into the financial institution market or financial in institution solutions that could be sold into, you know, the, the commerce and merchant market um, and, and bringing lots of new value to clients. That's part of how we were able to drive such great um, metrics off the rollout of our brand campaign was leveraging those assets that you have, but creating new offers around them and then looking for extended, you know, um, space where you can you can sell into. Um, but building, you know, starting with the message and then building chapters underneath it with new proof points, new offers, et cetera, you know, is that layering effect is super, super effective and has been very effective for us. Anything else before uh, before we get into our, our lightning round here or anything you're excited about for uh, for the future of marketing? You know, well, first of all, I didn't know we were doing a lightning round, so that's awesome. On the future of marketing, I would say what, what I'm excited about is the, um, the opportunity for our talent to grow. Um, they're, they're quickly pivoting into new things like virtual marketing, um, where they have the opportunity to grow their talent, to broaden their perspective, um, to get their hands into new technology, have to learn new technology very quickly. So the opportunity for the talent to grow, I think, it, you know, is very exciting for me to watch them have that opportunity and to be able to bring that opportunity for them. I think um, the future of marketing for FIS, we've created a strong foundation that can be built on. Um, so adding those new layers of, you know, cool new talent, cool new capabilities, um, just continues to add to the foundation that we've created and allows us to stay up with the organization and be in front of the organization in a lot of ways. So um, that's, I'm excited about that for the future marketing. Lots of new talent diversity to bring into our organization. Okay. Let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. Put your customer at the center of every interaction automate engagement with every customer go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more we love them check them out lightning round question ellen are you ready i'm ready number one what either hobby or habit did you pick up during shelter in place whoa smoky drinks how about that there you go i like that <laughs> do you have a hidden talent or passion Oh, hidden talent or passion. I would say passion is, um, I'm a exercise um, nut and I'm a marketer's dream for exercise stuff. I even have a shaker weight, if you can believe that or not. I was totally sucked into that whole um, marketing gimmick. So I, I love new things um, available in fitness. Hey, there's no, there's no shame in the, in the shaker weight. I, I need to work on those, work on those forearms, get some triceps. Actually, I mean, honestly, at this point, anything uh, other than sitting uh, at a, at a desk in front of Zoom calls all day is, is better for all of us. Exactly. Exactly. I think I still have my Suzanne Summers Thigh Master or whatever that is too. Those things are fun. 
when you're sitting on a Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, we're 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 doing clamshells in the uh, in the phase on household. I'm with you. We gotta uh, gotta get the core strength. Uh, I mean, it's crazy just how, you know, looking at, uh, you look at those steps per day and it's, uh, it's not great. Yeah. It really has changed uh, that outlook because at least you, you were fairly mobile in a, in the real environment, even if you weren't necessarily exercising, you were up and mobile. It's, um, it's hard rolling out of bed and going straight to work and still sitting there at 8 PM at night. Do you have a favorite, uh, podcast or book or TV show that you've been binging recently? Oh, I'm a terrible binger on the Kardashians. I know I should not admit that, but I find them thoroughly entertaining. And I also love sitcoms. Um, I just, um, you know, there's so much um, stress uh, in a day. I think just light entertainment where the storyline changes every 30 minutes and it's fun and lighthearted um, has me hooked. So um, Kardashians and sitcoms. If you weren't a CMO, if you're doing something else entirely, what do you think you'd be doing? I would be doing something in design, I think. Um, I still love fashion. Uh, I still um, love artwork. Uh, I think I'd be doing something in the creative space. Could also be writing, um, creative writing, but I would, I would definitely be doing something in the creative space. What is your best advice for a first-time CMO? There's never a dumb question. Um, make certain you have a really active voice. And um, there are no limits. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. And um, marketing is a part of everything. And it just really is a matter of the lens that you put on it. Um, you can add value in lots and lots of ways um, and never be shy about thinking about marketing as a business um, so that you can think through how you could add value to a situation, to an individual, to a, to a challenge that a person or a company or a division might have. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? What's my favorite um, place to visit? My place, favorite place to visit, I would have to say, would be Italy. I can't wait to go explore Italy and just get lost in the country for several months. I think that's, that's probably a question that I never get asked that I could talk about forever. So if we do, if we can't find you someday, uh, and you have the out office, uh, and it's just I'm I'm out in the wild, we can we'll look in Italy. You will find me in Italy on some coast in Italy, hopefully the Amalfi Coast. <laughs> there we go. Well, and this has been great. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, it's been awesome to have you on. Any uh, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? It's been really great talking to you, Ian. Thanks so much for taking the time uh, to learn a little bit about FIS. Um, FIS is a very cool company that uh, is growing by leaps and bounds and at a very rapid pace. Um, it is sitting in the center of commerce in the financial world. We're a critical infrastructure provider, and our teams just did an amazing job through COVID. COVID is still happening, but you know, keeping the financial world and commerce uh, up and running and going through a pandemic when um, technology is challenged, bandwidth is challenged, you can't get into the office, um, everybody's working from home. It's just been an amazing, amazing experience um, to see uh, what a critical infrastructure provider can do when they put the client in the center. Awesome. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, we, uh, Wish you well, and uh, we'll talk soon. 
Great. Thanks, Ian. Take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.